We are once again exploring some mountain ranges across North America. Today we are covering a new mountain range. We haven't covered anything from the Cascade Mountains quite yet. But today, that's all about to change. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Cascade Mountain Horror Stories. As always, if you have a horror story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and I'm always looking for new stories to share. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready for some truly creepy Cascade Mountain Horror Stories that are allegedly true. My boyfriend and I just bought our first house in June on a lake about an hour northeast of Seattle, Washington. Aside from the lake community we are part of, there really is not a large population around here. We are in between a few larger towns, but they are about a 20 minute drive from where we live. Our house is backed up right against the Cascade Mountains. We are pretty much the last bit of population before the mountain begins. About 30 yards from our driveway is a dead-end road that turns off the main lake road and goes back into the woods a few miles. There are a few gated forest service and logging roads that branch off of this road. My boyfriend and I ride our dirt bikes up these roads, and they themselves go on for miles. There aren't really many other houses out here, except for a few, and they're all on the main, dead-end road. Before taking the dirt bikes up it, I had walked up this road a few times exploring the area, and it always felt just a little bit odd to me. My boyfriend has said things like, This road is very creepy in broad daylight. It totally could have been that it was just very wooded in most spots and therefore shaded, and the lack of houses made it odd. But I stopped walking up this road for this reason. When we moved in, I was dog-sitting my friend's pit bull, Bella. She was about 70 pounds and was a totally fearless brat. She was kind of aggressive with other dogs, and even with some people, food handling, etc. I would walk her up the dead-end road often while I had her because there were hardly any houses and no traffic. One day, we were about two miles up the road and had come down a small hill onto a flat, treeless area where there was an old abandoned barn and a large field that the road cut through. There was tall grass on either side of the road. When we got to the area, Bella's tail went down and she kept her head low. She also started to look around and back behind us, just acting nervous which was a bit odd for her. As we were coming around a turn, about a hundred yards in front of us was a logging road that went off the road and straight up a hill. It had a large gate at the bottom to keep vehicles out. My boyfriend and I have put our dirt bikes under this gate before and go riding up the trails, so I know how tall it is. The top bar of the gate comes to my chest and I'm about five foot five. What I saw still scares me to think about. Standing right in front of this gate was a huge black dog. It was standing broadside with its head low, and I am almost positive it was looking towards us because I could not make out a snout or ears. I never saw a tail either, but it may have just been lowered between its hind legs. The shoulder of this thing was higher than the top bar of the gate because it was blocking part of its view. I stopped instantly and held Belle's harness as tight as I could so she could not advance forward anymore and catch sight of this thing, because you know how aggressive dogs can be. I looked at this thing for no more than two seconds total before turning back and hauling my butt back up the road because I heard this thing growl a hundred yards away from it, and I heard the thing growl this awful, almost hissing sound and growl. I was totally terrified, and at this point so was Bella. It was a long two miles back. 
and I could not stop looking over my shoulder, and Bella was also freaked out the whole time. The growling, the massive black dog, was not the only thing I was terrified of. I also had this awful, awful feeling of fear and dread come over me when I saw it. It was overwhelming, and I have never felt anything like it. Even in typing this and remembering the details is making me feel jumpy. It took me a long, long time to feel okay and safe in our new house, especially at night. Even now, I have a really hard time if I'm home alone. My boyfriend is 100% sure I saw a black bear, but I know I did not see a bear. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania and have seen more black bears than he will probably see in his entire life. This thing had long, skinny legs and a deeply curved ribcage and a belly similar to a Doberman. Wolves do not live in this area, and even if they did, this would have been one abnormally large, skinny wolf. Now, in listening to this show, I have learned about skimwalker encounters. I have pretty much lost my mind when I heard the similarities. I am beginning to become more and more convinced that what I saw was not a normal, natural thing. This happened in a forest near where I live. Over the summer, my friends and I went camping for one night up in the Cascade Mountain Range. There are valleys with old logging roads that people camp at the end of. Well, I have gone here my entire life camping, hiking, and whatnot. I have run into black bears right in front of me and other crazy stuff like that. Anyway, we all unpacked my truck and my friend's SUV. We were going to just have two people sleep in the SUV. I was going to sleep in the cab of my truck and another two friends were going to sleep in their tent they brought. The late afternoon seemed fine and uneventful. There is a pool from a large stream that you can swim in and we jumped in even though it really was not that warm out. After we started a fire, I'm not sure if it was allowed but you know, we did it anyway. We also had a gas stove and I warmed up some soup I brought. Everybody else snacked and did whatever else. We had brought some firewood as we were not trying to steal all the wood from the local area and we just hung out. Around 8.30 p.m., it was still pretty light out, a Toyota Sequoia, it looked in pretty good shape, even if it's a bit old, came down the path, and a middle-aged guy stepped out. He explained that he was looking for a camp area for his wife and kid. Anyway, they turned around and went another way. I will say that was the only person we saw after we turned off of WA-20. It was totally normal until 10 p.m. Around 9.30, I smoked a joint. It was just me. My other friends don't smoke or drink. We were just chilling around the fire talking. Fire had been going for at least four hours by now. We decided we were going to go to bed. I went to pee behind a tree, and I thought I saw somebody move on the hill. It's pretty forested, and it's behind me. So, I thought that I was just high, and maybe I just imagined something. But I did take note and was aware of it. Like I said, I just thought it was me. I'm not really a timid guy, so I brushed it off. I went back and told everybody that I was going to go crash in my truck. Well, sometime around 2.30 a.m., I am woken up by my friend and his girlfriend, the two people sleeping in the tent, banging on my door. I opened the passenger side door and then the back one, and they practically dove in and locked the doors. I tried calming them down and asking them to relax and breathe. They said something about somebody whispering to them from outside their tent, saying they were going to murder them, or something like that. I did not really buy their story, but I asked them what they wanted to do. They both wanted to leave pretty badly, but my truck was stuck between my two friends who were in the SUV. They were kind of blocking us from leaving. They convinced me to honk and flash my lights 
So I go to turn on my truck and nothing. At the time, I had a problem where the battery connector would slip off the battery making no power go to the truck. So I popped the hood, got out and slipped it back on. I looked around with my phone flashlight and did not see anything and walked up and banged on my friend's SUV. They both woke up. I explained that they were hearing some weird stuff out here so they decided that we could leave and come get the stuff tomorrow or whatever. We started driving back down the logging road from where we came. Maybe about a half a mile down the road, there is this Y. You can turn left and go down to one section, or you can go right that goes up the mountain. As we went through the Y, there was a Civic or some other early 2000s sedan just running with its lights up on the other side of the Y. As we drove, it turned on its headlights and began to follow my truck. As I was in the back, when I saw this, I freaked out, but could not really do anything. The car behind us eventually just stopped and we continued to the main road and began going back down into civilization. We got back to my friend's house at about 4 or 4.30. I don't know what that car was doing waiting there, and I don't know if they were waiting for us or just wanted to freak us out. I honestly don't know. We went back the next day with my best friend's dad, and we picked up the tent and all the other things we left. It was all there and nothing was moved or anything. I will say that you could see where the white car accelerated out of the Y behind us. The odd thing was is near our campsite was a bunch of leaves and ferns, and they were put on the ground in such a way that it was meant to hide something or maybe someone. Anyways, this is the only creepy thing that's ever really happened to me out here in the Cascade Mountains. Also, before anyone asks, no, I did not call the cops, and nobody gets reception until you get off the mountain anyway, so it didn't really matter. Some background to the story. My family and I were planning a camping trip in the Cascade Mountains in Washington State for a week back in 2013. We did not go to a campground. Instead, we opted to just hike a few miles in and find a good spot near the river. The first few days were normal enough, but on the fifth day, I left the campground to go collect some firewood. I went a little further than I was supposed to, so I was running the risk of getting lost and I knew this. On my way back to the campground, I noticed a very weird deer or moose type creature stalking me. The reason I thought it might have been a moose is that its head had to be at least 7 feet off the ground. Its head was around the lower branches of the pine tree it was behind. I was starting to get a little freaked out because I had not seen a single deer or moose the whole time we were there. I started to walk a little bit faster back to where the campsite was, which had to be at least 2 miles away. I started to run, and as I was running, just trying to get back to the campsite, I heard these very loud footsteps about 40 feet behind me. As I turned around to see what it was, I saw the thing but it was no deer and it was no moose. It had a head like a deer, but it was way too messed up to be any real deer. It had blood in its teeth and a weird man-like body, but it was so skinny. You could see its ribcage. It also had hind legs like a dog, but I guess that's the best way I can describe it. I don't know. As soon as I saw that thing, I ran as fast as my legs would let me. This thing was gaining on me and it was gaining fast. I knew it was going to catch me. I had to hide, so I found a log to hide behind to catch my breath. Once I caught my breath, I started running again. But this time, it was right behind me. I could feel its hot breath on my neck. I was getting close to the campsite when this thing tried to grab me. It missed, but left a deep scratch mark on my back. It stopped about a half a mile away from the campsite. I did not stop running though. I kept going, 
until I got to the campsite. I told my mom and dad what happened, but they did not believe me. That night, I didn't get a wink of sleep. The next day we finally left, and I never went to camp in the Cascade Mountains ever again. Hey Swamp Folk, IP Vanish has sponsored this video. IP Vanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is a super important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. You can use a VPN on your computer, tablet, phone, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. What you're doing, what you're reading, what you're searching, even what you're watching. Whatever it is you're doing. That's pretty important because what you're doing on the internet is no one else's business but yourself. IP Vanish helps you remain anonymous and secure on the internet. For listeners of the show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off. That's just $349 for the first month or $3149 for the year. IP Vanish comes with a ton of cool stuff. You get an anonymous IP address. This means your personal IP address can't be tracked by anyone on the web. You can circumvent any online censorship. IP Vanish has more than 1,500 servers in 70 plus locations. You can get protection when using public Wi-Fi. Remember, with IP Vanish, all your data is encrypted, so no one can snoop on what you're doing. You get 24-7 support. You can email them, chat with them, and even call them. They're there to help. So go to ipvanish.com swamped. Claim your 65% savings. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and their current promotional offerings, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IP Vanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot. And that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Show these guys some love. They're repeat sponsors and help the show out a lot. Remember, it's ipvanish.com swamped to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. That's a 65% saving. Now... Let's get into these stories. I have always loved the outdoors. I was fortunate enough to be born in the great Pacific Northwest, the western Washington Cascades to be exact. My father and I spent much of my early years exploring the mountains, fishing, and hunting. There are parts of the Cascades I know like the back of my hand. One of those places is called Goblin Creek up the Index Galima Road off Highway 2. When I was a kid, we would drive up there to do some fishing and shooting, but also to collect a specific type of rock that when cut in half and polished would resemble a scenic picture of the view of mountains from within a cave. I do not recall the true name of these stones. We just called them picture rocks. My father's friend and neighbor owned an art gallery slash mineral shop that used to be a church. If you have ever driven through Startup on your way from Sultan to Gold Bar on Highway 2, you might remember seeing the robot sculpture outside the shop that my dad built. This is the place that we sold the stone for $2 a pound. The walk from the creek where we harvested these rocks to the dirt road was not particularly long, but long enough that you could presumably get lost while en route if one did not know where to go. In the years we spent at this creek, I had only ever seen two people out there. One was a game warden that heard gunshots from our target practicing session and tracked us down to make sure everything was fine. The other is the subject of my curiosity. When I was about 14 years old, I distinctly remember hauling a backpack full of these rocks up the creek to my dad's truck. Along the way, I ran into a man that looked to be about 30 years old if I had to guess. We both appeared to be surprised that we would run into anyone in this rather remote section of the mountains. 
but as I got closer to this man, he was heading down to the creek, I was heading up to the road, he seemed to grow increasingly more startled as if he were seeing a ghost. He did not say anything as I passed. He just stared at me seemingly trying to figure out the appropriate words to ask. After passing him, I remember thinking how much this guy looked like he could be in my family. The similarities were oddly striking. I continued to the truck, dumped my load of rock off at the truck, and headed back down to the river to my dad. When I arrived, I told him about the encounter and asked him if he had seen this man, to which he replied he had not. I remembered this encounter quite vividly since then. Last year, I was visiting my family in Snohomish and decided to head up to Goblin Creek for nostalgic purposes. It had been about 15 years since I was last up there. Along the way there, I found out that the Index Galima Road had apparently washed out years before. Luckily though, I knew another way there via Jack Pass. I found the dirt road and parked where my dad used to park and proceeded to walk through the woods down to the creek. Along the way, I saw something that absolutely shook me to the core. As I was about halfway through the woods, I was startled to see someone else coming up from the creek. A boy, about 14 years old. He was wearing a backpack that looked to be burdened by heavy weights. As we got closer, I began to get increasingly more confused and shocked as the boy looked exactly like I did at his age. I meant to say something to him as he passed but could not figure out the right words to express what I was thinking. He passed me and kept going. I walked a little way and finally stopped when it really hit me. I remembered the encounter from my teenage years and realized I had just lived the other half of the experience. Both the man and the boy were me, roughly 15 years removed. I turned around to catch up to the boy in the thick western Washington woods. I ran all the way back up to the road where my truck was to find nothing. There was no one else there besides the road for him to go to and I had not stalled so long as to not be able to catch up to him. He was simply gone. Curiosity ended up getting the best of me, so I hurried down the creek half expecting to find my dad fishing on the bank, 15 years younger, but I found nobody. I ended up going home and decided that this experience was too unbelievable to tell even my friends and family. I just wanted to get this out there. I love your show, and I hope people enjoy this one. Thank you for sharing my story. So this story is not one of the ones that involve a near-death experience, but to this day, I still cannot explain what I saw. For context, I'm a 6-foot-tall, 150-pound male in my early 20s who is an avid outdoor enthusiast. I've been hiking and backpacking for well over a decade, and I enjoy rock climbing and mountaineering. I spent about 7 years in search and rescue, and have some stories from my experience, but nothing creepy or unexplainable from my time there. Anyways, I've spent a fair amount of time outdoors, and over the past year I'd taken up solo hiking and backpacking. Normally I would try to go with some friends, but I honestly enjoyed the solitude and self-reliance that I often neglected even asking my friends to go, unless I absolutely needed more people. On a rainy November day, I decided to go hiking up to Green Mountain Lookout in the Cascade Mountain Range of Washington State. I intended on spending the night there in the old fire lookout. I checked the map, and the trailhead is rather remote by Washington standards, and it involved something like 26 miles of driving on a partially paved old forest service road. 
I drive up the road and I'm surprised to see just one other vehicle there. To call it a parking lot would be an overstatement. It was just a wide spot on the road that could fit maybe six vehicles in total. The road meandered past the parking area around a curve and out of sight. While it was a weekend, the weather was rather foul, and above 5,000 feet, the rain would be turning to snow, so I was not expecting to see other people. I park and open my door and start getting my pack ready. There is a light drizzle already and I notice how quiet the woods are. Normally, there's a fair amount of ambient noise if you listen to it in any forest. The only noise I could hear was the water dripping off the leaves and trees. I chalked it up to being late fall and most of the birds had migrated to warmer climates. The bugs were probably hiding due to the rain and it was daytime and the other animals would be seeking shelter from the elements and sleeping from a night of foraging. I start hiking and I'm enjoying the gradual uphill climb of the trail. Now, because of my time in search and rescue, I enjoy tracking. Anytime I'm on a trail, I usually face the ground and like to track other hikers, animals, and keep my skills sharp. I notice that there are two sets of trails of running shoes, one larger and one smaller. After the first mile or so, the trail leaves the confines of the dug fir and western henlock forest to open up to these lush green alpine meadows. In the summer, the alpine meadows bloom and you can see verdant green Indian hellebore, yellow asters, red columbines, white glacier lilies, bright blue lupin, and orange Indian paintbrush. In the late fall though, these meadows are just green with the dying brown stalks of these once beautiful plants. Right at the interface of the alpine meadows to the forest, I meet the two other hikers, a man and a woman coming down. As is customary for hiking on the west coast, you swap trail condition information. I give the hikers a once-over and notice they both have trail runners on. They tell me it gets snowy up past the first section of Alpine Meadows and that it started snowing around 3 a.m., but that they had had the trail to themselves today. No bear sightings, which was pretty nice and made sense because there are no mountain blueberries in November. We wish each other well and I continue walking. The trail opens to a beautiful valley, flanked by alpine meadows, forest, slide adler, and other mountains. When the view is clear, you can see the north face of the glacier peak to the south. The trail switchbacks up the alpine meadows and through a few patches of trees. I hike up another mile and a half or so before I reach the snow level. It is the first snow of the season, and the snow level was about 5,000 feet, just as predicted. I continue hiking a bit before I notice more tracks in the fresh snow. There are two sets. One set is a track of an exceptionally large dog, like maybe a Mastiff or a Bernese Mountain Dog, given the size, and the second set is a pair of morale hiking boots. I think if I had to guess they were around size 15 or larger. Normally I would not care about these tracks, but some things did not add up. First. There was only one other vehicle in the parking lot. Second, I had not noticed these tracks before in the mud, and surely I would have noticed them. And there's no way I could have confused them with the other hikers' tracks. Thirdly, why did these prints just pop up in the snow halfway up the trail? I know that there are no trails on the backside of Green Mountain that intersect with the trail that I'm on, as it is a rather remote one. It could be a hunter, but that would be unlikely given the difficult access to this point in the trail and the fact that the two hikers I encountered said that they were alone. All this is giving me a weird feeling. 
At this point, I'm reminded that the forest is still eerily quiet. There are strange tracks that should not be here. It is snowing, wet, cold, and I could not actually stay overnight in the old lookout because it is locked. The aura of the area just feels ominous. I listen to my gut instinct and decide to go back to my car. So I turn back. I hike down about one mile, and I am on the last of the switchbacks before the trail re-enters the forest when something catches my eye, and I stop. I'm looking down an alpine meadow enjoying my view when I spot something about a thousand vertical feet away from me, less than a kilometer away from my location. I squint and see a pure white shape in the meadow. As I'm looking at this white shape, my mind is trying to fathom what the shape could be. My initial thought is that it was one of those 2010 Winter Olympics Inukshuk statues which resembles a man. All I could see is the head and shoulders part, as the rest would be obscured by the underbrush of the alpine meadow. This thing was standing on a 40 degree slope. The more I stare at this thing, the more confused I become. I rationalize that it cannot be snow on a tree or something like that, because that was the first snow of the season and that was only 2,000 vertical feet, and the snow was all the way up at 5,000 feet. I guess it could be a sun-bleached and thus white tree stump, but this is unlikely as the area has not been logged before, and this spot was in an alpine meadow, not the forest. It really stuck out to me, given the size of this thing at that distance. It would have to be an ancient stump to be that large. My guess is that it would have had to have been about 10 feet tall to be that large from this distance. I shuffle in my pocket to put on my gloves, and when I look back, it appears that this thing has moved ever so slightly. On the head, I can make out two black spots where I should be, and a black slit where a mouth would probably be. I freak out because in a minute, I was watching this thing, it had not moved, and the five seconds I look away, it seems to look forward at me. I feel chills run down my shoulders and back. What the hell is this thing? It is a half mile away from me at this point. I am still well over a mile from my car. It feels like I am now being watched intensely, and I feel an uneasy sense of dread building in my stomach. Now, as there are black bears in the Cascades, I always carry bear spray with me. My only other weapon is my pocket knife, which is deep in my backpack. I unholster the bear spray and slowly make my way down the trail. At this point, I am really wishing that I had brought my 357 Magnum, but it weighs 6 pounds and I just cannot justify bringing that sometimes. At this point, I feel like a fool for neglecting that crucial essential. Before I reach the forest, I keep my body facing the area this thing is in. Once I reach the forest, I am reminded just how silent it is. The forest started out quiet. Now it was silent. No wind, and just the occasional drip of rainwater. It feels like there is an apex predator in the forest, and it is not me. I still feel watched. At this point, my nerves are starting to get the better of me, and I pick up my pace and jog downhill to the car. I was cognizant that you should never run from a predator, as it will trigger its instinct to run down prey. I felt like prey, and I did not like it but I rationalized that I maybe had a 10-minute lead on this thing, assuming it moves as fast as a person. I start running as silently as I can down the trail, constantly looking over my shoulder while trying to keep my eyes on the ground to not trip over the wet roots. I never heard any sounds of pursuit from this thing, but I was scared and in full fight-or-flight mode. I was flying out of this place as fast as I could. 
After a long 15 minutes, I finally reach my car, and it is the only one in the parking area. I throw my backpack into my Subaru and jump into the driver's seat and peel out. I have been stalked by mountain lions, hiked through bear country, and been shot around by hunters on one occasion. But none of my previous experiences can compare to the soul-crushing dread I was feeling once that thing turned to look at me. I went hiking back up to Green Mountain Lookout the following summer. I went to the same spot that I saw that thing and while the underbrush of the pine meadow was higher, there was absolutely no white shape in that area. While I could have just brushed off the feeling of dread as my own paranoia at the quiet forest and weird dog and human prints in the snow, I cannot rationalize how that white shape was there one day and gone eight months later. That one small disparity is what gives me chills to this day. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true scary stories from the Cascade Mountains. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's from a mountain range or somewhere else in the outdoors, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as that helps me out a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. I would love to know what story tonight was your favorite in the comments down below definitely let me know. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you guys would like to support the show outside of hitting that like button, giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, face mask, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Thank you guys once again for always supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. Once again, if you have a scary story that you would like to share in the show, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net. I'm always looking for new scary stories to share on the show. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.